You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. All right, all right. Hey, that is awesome. Gets me fired up. Um, can't wait to talk about all this with you today. Um, we are passing out right now um, some booklets that will look just like this right here. So we're going to have some of our staff and other folks are going to be passing these out. These are a gift to you and are going to be a resource for you over the next few weeks. In fact, um, even today um, on page 31, you'll be able to, if you want to take notes, if you're a note tape uh, taking type of person, you can do that. Jot down a few thoughts as we go. So between uh, sermons, uh, just resources as a, as just discipleship resources, your gospel community, all the scripture for the next five weeks of sermons will be in here. Also, uh, there will be a, a, a commitment card that will be in here and you don't need to do anything with that now. It's a resource for prayer um, that you will use over the next several weeks um, leading up to our commitment Sunday. So that is for you. Also, um, while we're uh, those are coming out to you, um, check this out. So one of our members, um, Lauren, right as I was walking in here, gave me this. Now, while I'm not a Chiefs fan necessarily, we do have we do have Pat. All right, we do have Pat, and it's almost like Texas Tech wins a Super Bowl every time this happens. But check this out. Um, all in on the Chiefs. How about that? Using our language. So she got that for me as a present. So I appreciate that, Lauren. Awesome. Um, so that is the language we're using here is talking about all in and what it means for us to be in every regard um, submitted to Jesus. And what we're going to be doing is um, we're going to be going through Philippians over the next five weeks. Philippians is a very different book of the Bible than what we've been going through and actually what we'll resume in March with 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians had about like a minute of like, hey, here's something I see God doing in you. And all the rest of it's like, dude, we got to talk, you know. And Philippians, instead of it being like so like heavily corrective, like 1 Corinthians has been, Philippians is like an exhorting book of like, hey, I see this in you. Just keep growing, keep building on this. And hopefully that tone will, will capture us today as well. Just a quick note on what you heard in the video. So there's a, a couple of different ways we could talk about this next season that we're going in in the church, because even as the video wrapped up, the narrator uh, said, uh, said that we, wanna, uh, we want some things for God to do, we, we want him to do some things in us and through us, both of those components. And there, there's a couple of different ways we could go on this. One way we could go is to focus more on the through us component, which we are going to spend some time on about our dreams for Lubbock and um, the heart behind our second campus that we want to launch in Southwest Lubbock and the land and all. Like we could do schematics of it and be like, oh, check this out right here. And we actually do have some preliminary sketches of what we'd like to build that will be like here, um, just a new version of this out there. Um, and even maybe appeal to our base instincts of like, oh, here's, a, here's what we're going to do with your kids. We're going to launch them from the slide. Look at this right here. And we're going to launch them in the, right in your sunroof as you're leaving the new building and all this stuff. And we could, we could try to talk about all the amenity or whatever. I mean, that, that, uh, all the things like that. That's one way to do it and to talk about here's the, here's the outcome of what we're trying to do. Um, although I don't, know, I don't know how transformative any of that is. I don't. And so what you're going to see from us over the next few weeks is like in the background is going to be our hopes and dreams to reach 1% of our city. We love Lubbock. It's the same impulse to me as why it is that we plant churches domestically. It's the same impulse to me on why we train and pray for some to go to the nations um, to tell people about Jesus. It feels like the same impulse to me is that God's given us these resources and missional capacity in our city. And I want to see that multiplied. Um, so, so yes to that. 
But what we're going to be spending more time talking about is what, what kind of church that God wants us to be. Like what kind of people, what kind of families, what kind of individuals, what kind of college students, what kind of middle school and high school students are we going to be, and what kind of people. And that's really the question we're looking into. So um, just as a, our topic today in, in uh, Philippians, we're going to be talking about um, the, the sense that, that we have not arrived yet and the... Um, I don't know why, and maybe it was taught, I don't know, um, I'm not really sure, but as I really started getting serious about my faith, I did catch that sense sometimes, that maybe, maybe there were some people around me that had kind of arrived, and, um, and, and so much so that I remember when I was maybe in my mid to late 20s, I read um, a book by a Puritan named John Owen. Um, that he had a, like a trilogy talking about like fighting sin and like how sin works in, in even in the lives of Christians and how to combat it. And a guy named J.I. Packer wrote a forward for that little trilogy by Owen. And I really resonated with it because Packer in that intro talked about how um, whenever he became a Christian in a campus ministry in like the 1950s or something in England, that, uh, that he, these, these people like seemed like they had like this next level spirituality. And like he wanted that, like he wanted to be able to, they, they seemed like they didn't really have struggles with sin anymore. It seems like they just got to a place where it wasn't a, a struggle anymore. And he's like, man, I want that. And yet he felt defective. Like he just hadn't felt like he'd got to that next level and um, hadn't arrived like they had. And what's interesting is, is that Packer, by the end of his little preface to Owen says, well, there's a reason why I felt that way is because there is no next level. Like you don't ever arrive, like you don't ever get there. And either um, those people were not being like honest about what was actually going on in them or they didn't know or they're faking it or who knows what. Uh, but one thing we could say for certain is we don't ever arrive in our spiritual lives. We don't on any area, whether we're talking about our marriage, whether we're talking about generosity, which we're gonna spend a fair amount of time talking about over the next few weeks, or whether we're talking about... Um, our obedience to the Lord in any single area, our desire for God is we are, we are a, an ongoing, in-process work the whole time is one of the things we're going to be talking about. And even one last thought on this is that uh, there's a part of me that really wants to go on autopilot on this, that I get tired of the struggle. Like I get tired of the internal fight sometimes. Like, golly, I don't want to have to fight the fact that I don't have a desire to wake up today and meet with God. And maybe you didn't want to come this morning, but you knew that you already made a commitment to somebody, you know, that your spouse might glare at you or your friends that you said you would see here at the 830 might glare. Um, but the, uh, the, here's the thing that's interesting is I reflect on that desire to be an autopilot is that um, really what that shows is to a certain level, what it is that I want is I want to get to a point where I don't really need God anymore on this whole spirituality thing, where I can get to a place where like I'm self-sufficient and um, where I don't struggle anymore and I've got my act together and I do what I'm supposed to do and all the things play out like they're supposed to. And uh, just interesting that, that some of our desire to get to this next plane actually is so that we would be less dependent on God and less, um, less needy for grace. And that's just not how this plays out ever while we're on this earth. And so that's what we're going to see today in Philippians. So let's look at verse three. We're going to work through Philippians chapter one, verse three. I already told you page 31 in your little guide. We'll have that. Um, if you pull out a phone, it'll be there also on the screen. So here we go. Uh, verse three, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all, all, uh, my prayer for you all, making my prayer with joy, 
because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So Paul is just thankful for this church. And I even hope you hear the tone of Philippians right out of the gate, that it feels quite a lot different than how uh, 1 Corinthians feels. Even by the first chapter, he's like, look, you know. Um, but Philippians, like, you can just feel the warmth and that fatherly affection he has for the church. And there even talks about um, that if he prays, there's all this joy that comes up. And then talks about partnership in the gospel uh, from the very first. And they, they've been with them in this. The gospel, what we mean by that word is when it's, you see it in the Bible is it's talking about Jesus's death and resurrection, resurrection that reconciles us with God, um, actually transforms us internally uh, where we have a new kind of access to God. And um, I actually feel the same way when I think about Redeemer. It's not that we don't have our things, and the Philippian church did too. But when I think of you, and it's hard for me to think of Redeemer like collectively, like I'm thinking about people, and I'm thinking about your commitment to Jesus through ups and downs, which we're going to get into later, and challenges, different seasons that Redeemer has been in, and different seasons that you have been in, and yet you are in, in faithfulness, like walking with God, and God has been beautiful to you, and you've rested in him, and he's been, um, he's been a joy to you, and seeing your longstanding commitment to God, and your desire to grow that um, I wish I was as poignant as, as Paul is to be able to pin something like this. So I'm just gonna lean into the, what he said. is like, I, I feel that same kind of affection for you as a church. It's beautiful what God has done, done in you. Um, the, the faith that, that has emerged is, is awesome. Uh, verse six. This might be one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Like, I just love this verse. So here we go. It says, and I'm sure of this. Like, he's confident of what we're about to hear in this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. That he who began a good work in you. This would be a great verse to memorize. That he who began this will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So what he's saying is, is that, that, um, that God, if you're a Christian here, and this is, if you're not, this is like a strong like invitation to that, to this kind of joy, this kind of confidence that God would be working for you all the way until you're on hospice care and seeing you all the way through to the other side, that, um, that he started something in you that through Jesus' death and resurrection, that's the, the gospel message that um, the Philippian church partnered so deeply with Paul on in the ministry of it, in the belief of it, that, um, that, that Christ, if you're a Christian, he began this in you whenever you believed. Like if you're eight years old, and you look back and you're like, man, I legitimately was a Christian at eight. Like that's when it started. Or if it was maybe more gradual and you're like, I don't even know when, like we had a baptism story like that the other day where Anna was saying, I don't even remember like not having a sense of belief, but let me tell you whenever I know that I was in, you know, that I was in and following Jesus and that, okay, he, he began that work, whether it was a, from your perspective, gradual or um, in a moment, like he started that work with you, but would, would we agree that there's all these unfinished things in us that, uh, um, that again, all the things I talked about earlier, like a desire for God, it kind of goes up and down, doesn't it? Like a sense of a connection with him and a sense of closeness with him, it goes up and down. Um, you, even in area, um, what I've learned in what's sometimes called in theological speak, um, sanctification. Sanctification is the process of reflecting the holiness of God that, um, that I've noticed my sanctification is not a straight line. That sometimes there's this and then a, I don't know if I really want to fight that right now, you know, and actually, yes, yes, Lord, you're worth it. And Jesus is better. And oh, I don't actually know really 
for me if it's actually worth it to like walk in obedience and trust in this right now and even to trust you with my future. Uh, but what this is saying is, is that he who began a good work in you, like he started that work in you and um, that he's going to complete it someday. All right, so first note that there's this very hopeful note here that there's gonna be a point when, um, when it says um, on the uh, completed at the day of Jesus Christ that it's talking about when Jesus returns or uh, presumably whenever you die, whichever comes first, that there's gonna be a completion of that where um, he started a work and then it will become complete. And there will be a point when it'll be completely finished and you should be confident that in your Christian life and in your journey of obeying Jesus, that there should be some hope that, um, that look, he, he started this and he will complete it. Now that's the, that's the main note that I want you to hear is that there's a sense of confidence and that, that should even spur on um, a, a desire to obey him and to trust him and to worship him and to see him and to see him as beautiful. So that, that should happen. Uh, but I think something else that, that should also happen in this is inferred, I would say parenthetically in this whole deal, is that that means by definition, it means you haven't arrived yet. By definition, if the one who begins it is going to complete it when you die or when Jesus returns, it means right now in every single area you are unfinished. You know, at a certain level, that also means that even though our aspiration is to be all in, you never will be fully, you know? Um, or how about this? You'll commit momentarily, like I'm hoping today as we go to the Lord's table in a minute and, and take communion, that you're like, all right, Lord, and everything I'm aware of, like all of it's yours, all, chips are to the middle, chips are to the middle of the table. You got it, I'm all in. And uh, what you'll find is, is as you're leaving the parking lot, you're going to be already starting to kind of carve some of them back off to you. And you're going to be like, ah, okay, yeah, even with my children, you know, uh, oh, yeah, even in my marriage, even all this. And so the, we, we haven't arrived yet. Now, we're going to be, we're going to be focusing on financial generosity, which I'll, I'll, I'll get to in just a moment. But we could truly talk about this in any and every area. Like, for instance, in our marriage, um, you're, you're a work in progress on your marriage, that um, that you're you're not all, you're not all in um, on following them. There's areas that are um, that have been up and down, and a lot of us feel pretty secure in how it is that we are handling um, handling that relationship right now. And first of all, I'd be like, have you asked your spouse about that? Like, you're like, think you're the husband or wife of the year. I mean, it'd be an interesting conversation. Hey, do you think I'm pretty much kind of arrived as a husband or wife? And they'd be like, well, I mean. You mean well, you know, I love you, but, uh, but no, we're not quite there. And, um, and have we, in addition to asking spouse how we're doing on that, have we asked the Lord? You know, but it's just so easy to get on autopilot on all this. It's so as parents, it's easy to do. Oh yeah, I've got, um, I've got our bedtime routine down, nap time. Um, we've kind of got it all squared away these days. You know, um, we know the education we're going to do. That's clearly the best option, and on and on and on. And by the way, I tend to find it's mostly like uh, parents of preschoolers and under that tend to live in the space. <laughs> that uh, as, as children age, that that kind of thing gets beaten out of you a little bit. I think uh, by God's grace, but you haven't arrived as a parent. And um, you haven't arrived even ready for this. You have not arrived theologically, like on what we understand about God. And I know this to be true because I, I manuscript every sermon I ever write. That means um, in some form, I, like what it is that I'm going to get up and talk about, that it's, it's in print. And sometimes I'll go back and, and read um, a manuscript from 10, 12, or God forbid, 15, 20 years ago. And I'm like, you know, like I'm, it's not like totally way out there, but I'm, I don't think I would say it like that right now. I think a, a clearer way, a better way to say it would be like this. And like all of us are growing by God's grace. And that means that right, that ready for this, this is a moment of humility. That means that probably in 10 years, you're going to look back to how you thought of God right now and maybe some key things of how you understood the Bible. And you'll be like, hmm, 
Yeah, yes, I meant well and basically right. But I, I think I might say it like this. And I actually, I think it, as I've looked at the Bible, it might be, that means that right now you're unfinished even theologically. All of us are. And in every single area, we have not arrived yet. Every single area, even our relationships, handling conflict, we are growing. And he who began a good work in you will, will complete it someday. But we are living in this middle with a sense of confidence that he will see it all the way through, but we haven't arrived. So let's talk generosity just for a moment. Uh, because we're going to be using that as a straight line to the soul. And I realize that, that this whole conversation is booby-trapped, you know, all over the place, where, um, where we are defensive about it. There are a lot of us that have maybe left churches over the years, and I'm not going to try to defend how churches have talked about money. I have no idea. I'm sure it's been a wreck. I can assure you that nobody has any private jets here at Redeemer. Uh, so just, just letting you know that. Uh, but, but here's the thing, is that at some point we do have to wrestle with the fact that Jesus talked about money more than any other topic, even heaven and hell. You know, and that's shocking. If you go back and look through it, and it's shocking how much he'll bring it up. And um, there's, and, and the Philippians is going to address it, address it specifically at the very end of the book. Is that it's all, all over the place in the Bible, and I think here's the reason why: is because God knows that money, possessions, and even generosity, releasing resources, is a direct line to the soul. It's like the left lane, the the, the fast lane of even of spiritual growth, because it gets to priorities, it gives to what you're afraid of, uh, what you what you're hoping for in the future. Is that any of your hopes and dreams? probably have dollars and cents next to it. And you're like, I don't think so. Okay, well, your kid's future D1 scholarship you're working towards. There's a plan and I bet you're funding it and you're getting the coaching and you're on the right team, all those things, right? And you could do this with anything that you care about is that what, what it is that we want in the future is that there's, there's dollars and cents that they're there and even fears about if we're gonna have enough and on and on. And um, here's the thing, here's what makes this conversation so hard is almost none of us, there's some of us that walked in today knowing that our marriage is a mess or that we're lonely or that we're depressed and that we need to start handling substances differently, that we need to make a change. Some of us came in here knowing those things, but here's my guess. Tim Keller said this um, years ago that, um, that nobody walked in here thinking, man, I'm a greedy sucker. I've got, I love, 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 love money and I don't want anybody else to have it. In fact, I want more of yours. I would love to have it. If I could take it without people judging me or being in jail, I would. And, um, and no, I'm not giving it to Jesus or to y'all. I mean, I may be a little bit, but not very much, you know, on and on. Like very few of us walked in today thinking that greed is one of your biggest problems and um, that you look to resources to give you security, that you have a hard time trusting that God will provide. And so most of us don't really think about this, but here's the thing. And it's so easy, even in generosity, to feel like, hey, I'm good. I'm set on this. Um, we did a, a something similar, at least in regards to the generosity conversation back in 2019 and 2020. Many Redeemer members would say it's some of their most um, significant moments that they've had at the church. But let's just even say you've been around for a bit. You're more of an old head Redeemer person. You might be like 25, but still, um, that you, you were wrestling with these things back then. And it's almost, it's just so tempting to be like, oh, you know, dealt with that, and I'm kind of moving on with my life. And, uh, but here's the thing, he's not done with you yet. Here you are at this moment. Loads of us have never even asked this question of what kind of resources in faith do I need to trust you with? And that I haven't arrived, he's not done with me in, that, in the same way theologically and in your marriage and in your desire for God and in everything we're growing and that this God who started something beautiful is gonna see it to completion, but we haven't arrived yet. That means, that means we're trusting God and we're asking some questions about what he wants to do. Verse seven, 
Um, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you, uh, about you all, because I hold you in my heart. Again, just feel this fatherly love. Uh, listen to this sentence. For you are all partakers um, with me of grace. I love that. Uh, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Again, just you can even he even uses the word affection, but you can feel it coming out. Like, uh, look, you've you've been partakers of grace with me, and I love this that um, that you've been all in with me in the gospel. And we've and the thing he talks about, and this is why we're spending more time talking about the in us part rather than just the through us part of reaching the city and all of that. Even though we really care about it, is that this is what Paul's talking about? Is you you've walked with me in grace, you've taken hold of God in His grace. God's grace has been beautiful, and you've been partakers with me. On this, and um, I love hearing about how grace has transformed people. Like I'm always so curious when I get a chance to sit down with a member or someone that's newer to Redeemer, hearing like, how did he do that? Like and one this week for me that was really significant. I met with a guy, and he said I could share this over coffee. And he'd grown up in a tradition where, um, and whether they taught this formally or he just kind of grabbed it, and like how he interpreted it as a kid and young adult. I mean, he's he's saying that's possible. But the message he received was, is yes, Jesus and the cross, yes, that that's very important, but it's also like you need to go ahead and check the boxes and you need to be performing well. And those two things together are what make you okay with God. It's something about the cross. You can almost think about it like, um, you know, you're going to get the tank filled three quarters and then, you know, grace kind of tops off the tank. And, um, and then the problem with that, though, is that either... You, you feel like you've arrived and you look at that full tank and you're like, oh, you know, look what I've done. And why can't other people get their tank filled up? I don't know what their problem is. And it, you either get real self-righteous and feel like you're doing it with maybe not a real self-aware sense of what's actually going on in your heart and how much struggle and fight is still there and even sin that's still there and all that. That's one option. And that's the, that's the religious trap that you've run into. If you're not a Christian, you've probably bumped into this a lot with this holier than thou uh, person that thinks they're way up here. And you're like, dude, I I'll work with you. No, you're not. You know, that kind of thing. Um, or what happened to this guy, which is shame, just a regular sense of, I, I just, I guess I don't have the discipline all these people do. Kind of like J.I. Packer and, and to a certain degree, me earlier in my, in my faith, where it seems like all these people can perform. I just can't. I don't have that kind of willpower. So instead of coming to Jesus in his grace and being a partaker with grace, you leave in shame. You essentially exit the faith, exit the church, and just go, oh, I guess I'm just going to go make money and do my deal. And by God's grace, the Lord has brought him back as an adult man. Now he is enjoying grace for the first time, really. And it is a beautiful story. And again, we're partakers of grace together. And I love that. I love hearing how this has happened. Even, uh, even the suffering that's mentioned here um, in verse 7, where he talks about his imprisonment, it comes up in verse uh, 12 through 18 as well, where, um, where Paul says, here's what's crazy. Uh, my imprisonment has actually served to advance the gospel. That is crazy that he, he'd been in prison. That's the context for writing Philippians, that through the middle of, of something that's pretty awful that he wouldn't have wished on his worst enemy, that God had used it. And I've watched so many of you here suffer with things like through, um, I was talking with a guy this morning that's been on my mind a lot about just a brutal economy. Interest rates have kind of wrecked his, his business. And I've watched him trust God, his whole family, he and his wife. They're, they're, trusting, they're trusting God for um, God's provision and for their future and even thinking creatively about solutions. I've watched some of you deal with infertility and you've trusted God through it. You, some of you have struggled with depression, anxiety, mental health, and you have trusted God. And uh, you've, you've walked through some things 
Some of them self-inflicted. Some of them have just kind of happened. And um, the Lord has sustained you. And I love that. I wish, I wish I could see more of setbacks as opportunities for growth for me. I wish I had more of that. Uh, that it's something so much I want for God to wire into me. I love Paul's perspective. And I'm not done growing either. So that's something I need to, even as I see my kids or some of you struggle, sometimes it's just hard to trust God with that. Verse nine, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. And this is his prayer, I love this, with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and uh, so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the uh, glory and the praise of God. And so um, really this prayer at the end of the day is for growth. Um, all, they'd be all in on Jesus and his grace, that they'd be able to have a sense of what was, is um, excellent and beautiful, that their love would grow, that they'd have a sense of knowledge, a sense of discernment, that those things would grow, that there'd even be a, a fill, a fruit uh, of righteousness um, that comes through Jesus, that, that that would be more and more true of them. There'd be a growing sense of what's good, a growing sense of the beauty of God, the glory of God, um, the holiness of God, that this would grow in us. This is a chart we throw up every, uh, every so often because I think it's so helpful. Um, just a, a sense of, of, uh, of growth. This is called a cross chart. And um, the idea would be is that in, in a, because we know that he started a work in you, that's conversion. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That's like off the chart where, uh, where there's a full sense of God's beauty and no more struggle with sin and all of that. But in the meantime, ideally what's supposed to happen here in our Christian life is we actually have a growing sense of the beauty and the weight and the holiness of God, a greater sense of grace that we're even deeper partakers of grace um, 40 years into our spiritual life than we were when we first began. Even a greater sense of our own sin and a greater sense of, of, what, uh, of areas that are gaps in our life and areas that are hard for us to trust God in. Those grow, but they don't grow in a morbid way because while that's happening, we even have a greater sense of the grace and the beauty of God that comes to us through Jesus Christ. And again, this is my hope. Um, is for so many of us in here um, that, that may not be Christians, that you've been exploring this, is like, I want this for you, that there would be this beauty of grace that would explode in your life and in your heart and actually transform you as you get to see who Jesus is. And here's the thing, this is where the in us and through us starts to merge, is that this is actually what we want to multiply. Like getting 1% in services I mean, who really cares at the end of the day? I mean, I guess that's something that you could pat your back um, and, and like organizationally or something. I don't know what that gets you in life. Um, but this is what we want to multiply. And I would even say this, that if it, aren't, if it weren't for um, this beautiful work of grace in our heart, if we don't start there, I'm not sure um, looking at schematics of land and um, you know, campuses and all that is all that compelling, really. Um, it, I'm not sure the through us component, it really would be terribly compelling if it weren't for the beauty of the grace of God transforming our souls. And then um, as we are latching on more and more to him and we are not finished yet, we have not arrived yet, yet God is faithful and he is going to complete it, that we continue to grow. God is growing. He's not, he's not done with you yet. Someday he's gonna see it through. And so I want you to hear this hope. Um, whatever your struggles are right now, I don't know what they are, what's hard for you to trust God, maybe different than what's hard for me to trust God with. Uh, but I, I know this is that he's gonna see it through. If you're a follower of Christ, um, it's, it's gonna be complete. It's going there. That's the encouragement. In the meantime, you're growing. Keep growing. That's the 
heart of this book. Keep coming on. It's like that, that parent of a one-year-old that's like wobbling around and taking those first steps. And mom and dad, I've seen some funny ones even in this room of like, dad's like slamming the ground and come on, come on, come on. And that's really what the Lord's doing right now is saying, grow, come towards me, come towards me. I'm moving towards you. Keep growing, keep walking. This is good. It's good for you. And then as we grow, um, that the Lord would multiply this passion for the beauty and the glory of God throughout our city. That's the hope. Let me pray that God would do this in us. Lord, would you do this? Would you, would you, um, would you grow us, Lord? We, we just want to affirm we haven't arrived, uh, but Lord, we very much want to see you do a beautiful work in our souls. That's our hope, um, Lord, and even our hope is that, that, um, that someday you will complete it. What Christ has started, you will complete it, and we will be with you with no more struggle, um, no more pain, and only, only joy and rest in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.